Snapchat introduces Discover and goes from messaging to big media. And Amazon's making their own original movies. Here's why the movie business will never be the same. This is episode 12 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom Asacker. Tom, Snapchat introduces Discover and goes from messaging to big media. First of all, I think we need to review what Snapchat is for anybody who doesn't know. That's that app that allows you to send messages which vanish in short order. In fact, the icon for the app is a ghost, which tells you pretty much everything you need to know. Right. Or maybe I should say supposedly vanish, depending on what other apps you have, what countermeasures you've installed. Uh, but the news from Snapchat is that uh, this new thing, Discover, Snapchat Discover, and this is from Snapchat's own blog, Snapchat Discover is a new way to explore stories from different editorial teams. It's the result of collaboration with world-class leaders in media to build a storytelling format that puts the narrative first. This is not social media. Social media companies <laughs> tell us what to read based on what's most recent or what's popular. We see it differently. We count on editors editors and artists, not clicks and shares to determine what's important. Translation, we care about major media brands and major ad dollars. Am I right? Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, curation, right? That's, that's, that's the word everyone uses. So Snapchat, so... <laughs> It's a kind of amazing if you think of it. So here's this silly little app, right, for sharing selfies that disappear. Right. And it's now a media business. Welcome to the frenzy. Yes. This is Snapchat. This is the company that turned down buyout offers of three and four billion dollars, <laughs> now competing against Facebook and Google and all kinds of other media companies with what they're portraying as a new type of curated digital magazine, right, with articles, videos, and... Of course, advertising, right? Yes, and they, they, they did turn down those offers. But as you and I both know, this is not just some hack platform. There are 100 million young people who visit this platform monthly. Snapchatters share, this is from uh, a piece in USA Today, Snapchatters share a whopping 700 million photos daily on the service. service mm. Far and away dwarfing the 70 million photos shared daily on Instagram. And you talked about four and five billion dollar offers being uh, rejected. Snapchat has been valued at ten billion dollars and was the second most downloaded iTunes app of 2014. So, if nothing else, it suggests that if you have an app which gathers a large enough audience, you yeah. can do whatever you want, can't you? Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, the, Snapchat is a perfect example of what's going on today. So you create this focus service. Mm -hmm that adds mm -hmm. value. In this case, with Snapchat, it started out just being fun, right? right? You grow that user base, usually virally. And in this case, the user base is what? It's the highly valued 13 to 23-year-old demographic. right? And then what do you do? Then you start adding on features to draw in more users, keep the ones you have fully engaged, and make, start making money from their attention and inter interactions. Right. It, it's, it's, it's a story that I don't know why others aren't doing it. So, they, so what does Snapchat do? Then they started adding something called stories, which allowed mm -hmm. users to string their photos and videos together into a type of shareable slideshow. Then they created a messaging and video chat capability. Then they even launched SnapCash, which allows users to send each other money electronically. Yes, and many, many people say that's going to be a much bigger business than many of these other items. Right, so what is it? What is SnapChat? Is it a messenger? A social network? A money transfer service? A media network? 
Yup. Think yes. about it. It's it's a it's a what it is is a massive audience at scale that has a habit of using the platform on a regular basis because increasingly it's not uh, an audience at scale that's going to be the rarity. It's going to be that habitual behavior of coming that's back it. to the same app on a phone, uh, in a mobile device where you've got dozens of apps, but only a handful that you use on a regular basis. Right? That's it. That is it. Think about it. You're chatting. You're exchanging photos and videos with someone. You're getting some news and entertainment. Why open another app? So that's the question that Snapchat's going to ask, right? So why would people open another app? And if they say, oh, I know to buy something, well, then Snapchat will put a buy button right on there. They don't want you to leave. Just as Amazon was once all about books, now it's so much more. Absolutely. So Snapchat is, is framing itself as kind of, I guess I would think of it as, uh, the the uh, discover element as headlines for today's youth since and and oh by the way did you notice that they were able to reframe this kind of vanishing content element mm-hmm. because the story vanishes in 24 hours just as your instant message vanishes in a right. short period of time you know forgetting the fact that of course all news and entertainment stories vanish within 24 hours but let's leave that aside there's a trojan horse element to this and we haven't talked about this yet and that was reflected in the digiday piece that uh, we shared and that's that oh by the way snapchat's going to create their own original media content Mm -hmm. because if you have a platform that's this big and you have the uh the the presence of all these major media brands on that platform obviously what you essentially have is a cable channel without the hassle. Yeah. Why not put in your own content, right? Well, that's right. I mean, they recently launched their first original web series. They have uh, Sasha Spielberg and Emily Goldwyn, right? Daughters of Steven Spielberg and John Goldwyn. So they're, they're serious. I mean, these pieces, people are getting serious about this. And, and there's a lesson here for, for media businesses, really for any business. And, it, and it's a pretty simple message. Create value with something simple, unique, and desirable, something mm-hmm. that draws people in. And then as that audience grows, go deeper into that relationship and see if you can fulfill some unexpressed desires and continue to add more value. See, I'm a big proponent, and you've talked about this as well, of focus, but not on a particular product. Focus relentlessly, relentlessly on your audience. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's what Snapchat is doing. So you build the audience and then you create more value for that audience that fits within the constraints of what you already have and isn't some violation of those constraints, right? That's what it is. It's value first, which builds the audience, then go deeper and add more value, which creates a bigger audience. Then you can start looking for money because once you have an audience, you can go get the money. Now take that money and say, how do I add even more value? Hmm. That's, that is the trick. And, and, what, and what kills me is our businesses that have audiences today that aren't going deep and adding this value mm. and letting everybody else pick it away. And I'll tell you what kills me. It's that Steven Spielberg's daughter looks entirely too much like Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Topic two, Amazon's making their own original movies. And here's why the movie business will never be the same. <laughs> this is from The Wrap. And the article is Amazon to produce original movies for online and theatrical release. They're getting into the movie business. Amazon Studios will start this year producing original movies for theatrical releases and early window distribution for Amazon Prime Instant users. The online network vows to bring movies to Amazon four to eight weeks after theatrical release as opposed to the typical 39 to 59 weeks on other subscription video services. And here's the quote. 
We look forward to expanding our production efforts into feature films. Our goal is to create close to 12 movies a year. I'm not sure what close to 12 is. <laughs> <laughs> and production starting, with production starting later this year, said Roy Price, Vice President of Amazon Studios. And just in case you don't think 12 movies a year is a lot, you need to recognize that in 2014, Universal produced 15. Right. That's a lot of movies. Yeah. I, listen, What's your so take I, on this, Tom? It, it, well, it, surprise, surprise. Right, Amazon <laughs> is getting into the movie business. I mean, Amazon is in the retail goods business, the computer electronics business, the digital content business, video games, art, mm -hmm. computing services, wireless, grocery delivery. What did I leave out? Why not the movie business? Well, also, this is completely congruent with your previous point about Snapchat, right? They have this massive audience. I mean, in the US alone, there are between 30 and 40 million prime customers. There are a total of 40 to 50 million Globally. Yeah. Listen, it comes down to this. We talked about this before about entry barriers, right? One of the big, big entry barriers for media companies was attention. Mm -hmm. Once you remove that barrier, innovation flourishes, especially business model innovation, right? In Amazon, if you think about them, they have a whole bunch of different business models. Mm -hmm. They've made a lot of little bets. So like a venture capitalist, they can afford to lose on some of those as they experiment searching for some big wins and, and movies would be a big win. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I, I think one of the bets they're going to lose on, by the way, is, and I think they know this, is the idea that any of these movies are going to end up in theaters. I don't believe that for a second. I think the theater, the, because what they're talking about is dramatically reducing the distribution window, the time between theatrical release and release on other platforms. That is the business model That's for right. theaters, period. So even if Amazon goes to them and says, we'll give you a piece of the prime, um, I think they're going to uh, turn their back on the offer because they can't create that kind of a precedent and other distribution partners, uh, uh, production partners, the Sonys, the Universals, they don't have the capability to do that kind of deal Amazon can do. So I think that this is wishful thinking, the, the theatrical distribution part on Amazon's part, but I think it's convenient for them to make that aspiration clear now so that down the road when theaters say no, they'll say, ah, we tried. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's <laughs> just that they don't want to scare the hell out of everyone, right? I mean, the old model, the current model of launching a film in theaters, where the majority of the money is made, and then going to pay TV, then to video, the DVD, that, that's gone. Everyone sees that this is ending. Everyone does see that it's ending, yeah. So, so now what do you do? I mean... The, the movie business is trying to figure this thing out. I mean, they know that younger audiences are viewing things on multiple screens. Right. They know that the high quality and relatively low price of these big screen TVs, it just keeps getting better and better. And then you get affordable streaming mm -hmm. services, right? Netflix and Amazon Prime. So what happens? Well, then the traditional economic model starts collapsing. <laughs> and right now, it's who owns the audience, is the winner, is the winner long-term. And I think clearly the way the model is evolving is to a subscription form. I mean, what you, we pay for our uh, cable uh, fees goes into the pockets of the people who are, uh, are, are pay for the movie licensing for movies which run on pay TV right. and run on broadcast TV, which is essentially pay TV today. And what is Prime? But That's one exactly big subscription mechanism, right? And it went from 79 to 99. I have no doubt it's going to be 119 in another couple of years and 129 after that. And people will reflect back and say, you know what? For free right. shipping of everything I want 
and for the best movies sooner than ever, I will pay for that. That's right. And oh, by the way, I think it's also worth noting that when it comes to movies, you know, from the theatrical standpoint, we got a lot of big tent poles coming over the next few years. There are, there there is just a gaggle of superhero big screen extravaganzas coming. There are the Star Wars movies that are coming. The theater owners are not going to be hurting because of the event oh, no. movies coming And listen, down the this pipe. gives Amazon... Think think about filmmakers. I mean, they're not enamored with the film industry either, right? So, so they'll go where the audience is and where the financial return and, and creative free, freedom is greatest. I mean, you've got Woody Allen has signed up with Amazon to create an original TV series. Right. So... <laughs> Things are changing. <laughs> and we saw also that uh, George Lucas had a few choice words about trends in Hollywood at the Sundance Film Festival. His quote was, movies are more and more circus without any <laughs> substance behind it. Now, <laughs> you know, this, this on the one hand is the ultimate, you know, he who lives in glass houses should not throw stones. But he did go on to make the point that um, for anyone who said, well, George, you know, you, you started this with right. Star Wars and Indiana Jones with a little bit of help from Spielberg and Jaws. And uh, Lucas said, if you go into Star Wars and see, see what's going on there, there's a lot more <laughs> substance than circus, he argued. And, and you know what? I think, he's actually, I think he's actually right. Look, Mark, great storytelling in film is always going to win. It depends who the audience is, how they like to be engaged in the story. And, and th- that's the bottom line. So if Amazon can go out there and find these filmmakers, ki- kind of like, um, like Redford did with Sundance, right? I mean, y- you can find the talent. It's out there. Mm-hmm. He's got a ready-made audience mm-hmm. now. And the, and the other thing that he has is the ability to know what these people like because he sees what they've been watching on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Tom, it's time for rants and raves. What do you have this week? A rant, a rave, or one of each? I have one of each. Oh, really? It's going to be fun. Oh, Oh, yes. Well, I I usually rant, but I I actually have a rave, which I'm sure people are going to rant about. So (laughs) let me give up the rave here. It might be me. You never know. (laughs) I'd like to give a shout out to uh, actually to Taylor Swift on behalf of all creatives. So she recently filed for trademark protection on a handful of phrases from her uh, 1989 album, <laughs> including Party Like It's 1989 and This Sick Beat. <laughs> now, you could look at that and say, that's kind of ridiculous, but I don't. I mean, I look at it and I say, well, why the hell not, right? Big brands <laughs> have benefited financially for years by influencing popular culture through advertising, product placements, celebrity endorsements, mm-hmm. stunts, and they protect all of their intellectual property. I mean, how much mm-hmm. do you think the NFL is pocketing from licensing deals and sales of Super Bowl merchandise, a lot. Hmm. So yeah. here's the problem. See, creatives, they despise this word brand. I mean, I get it. It right. conjures up like manipulation, even selling out. But that's bullshit. I mean, even Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech is protected by copyright. Mm-hmm. So I say to creatives, get over it. Why stand by and watch executives at overpriced sportswear and sugar water companies line there in their children's <laughs> pockets? It's high time for every artist who loves and values their art and wants to pay their bills with it and feed their families to start thinking like a business and like a brand like Taylor Swift. Good job, Taylor. All right. That's a good one. All right. I've got a couple. Like I said, I want to begin with the rant. And this rant is about, uh, is once again, will get me into trouble because it's about everyone's favorite podcast, Serial. Oh, here we go. Uh, 
<laughs> now, let me say from the outset, yes, it was a wonderful podcast. It was very well executed. It was very well researched, very well done. That said, if I were to sum up the mathematical formula for Serial, it would be as follows. One hour Dateline NBC plus 11 hours minus one satisfying ending. <laughs> so recently, the host of Serial, Sarah Koenig, who, by the way, is we all know this, uh, this kind of person, but she's one of those people who has exactly one Internet photo <laughs> and you see it everywhere. Sarah Koenig was giving a talk about journalism followed by a Q&A at Penn State. This is from uh, The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, she talked about how the podcast for her was never about entertainment. Quote, I never meant to create a fever. It's hard for me to answer why it went viral. I didn't know it was even going to work. People just like a good crime story. They just want to know who did it. Mm -hmm. And then here's the part that got me going. When asked what she had planned for the next season... WPSU reports Koenig responded, quote, if any of you has a story, there's an email. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we do not have a story, end quote. So they spent, as you know, a bunch of season one fundraising for season two, a season which they're on record as saying will not be a true crime season, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think what it reflects and, of course, now they still don't have a story. What it, what it reflects is that they are paralyzed because they are terribly afraid of what I view as an inevitable sophomore slump um, because clearly this thing was successful well beyond their expectations. And I also think it's clear that not only are they surprised that it's gone viral, but worse, they're embarrassed that it went viral. Because this is really a job of journalism, right? This is not a piece of the pod, quote, the podcast was never about entertainment, end mm. quote. So they're embarrassed it's gone viral and they are literally paralyzed because if they can't do true crime, what are they going to do? And the sentence she said, when asked what she planned for the next season, if any of you has a story, there's an email. No, I mean, we do not have a story. No network television showrunner would ever say that. News or entertainment. Right. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, most people that I know that hit a success like that would already have a book deal in the works that says how to make journalism go viral. <laughs> I think that's an excellent. There's the topic of season two right there. Let's email that to her. All right. All right. I have a second and this one's a rave. Okay, now I know we intended not to talk about the Super Bowl because it's old news at this point. But I do have to ask you, among all the commercials that you saw, Tom, and this is from CNBC. Um, how'd you like the Gatorade one or the Nike one or the Apple one? How did you like those? I don't remember seeing it, but maybe I was at the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out they were well-loved by the public, except that they didn't actually exist. <laughs> According to exclusive data provided uh, to CNBC by CopyPop.com, a new advertising testing service, viewers surveyed from Sunday Night Super Bowl claimed to have seen and liked ads that never actually aired. I want to run one of those next year. <laughs> when, asked, when asked to name as many ads as possible, uh, consumers could only come up with an average of 4.7, which is less than 10% of the total inventory. <laughs> and here's where it starts to get strange. When given a list of ads that didn't run mixed in with real ads, a whopping 19% of people said, yes, they remembered watching those ads. Now, given that 45% of people could even remember the real ads, 19% is almost half that number, almost half. That's one in five people said they watched an ad that never actually aired. Think companies like Dr. Pepper, Miller, Twix, Samsung, Burger King, Axe, and Audi. 
You might think they had Super Bowl ads, but they didn't. And here's the funniest part. The Phantom ads scored higher than the real ones. 50% of the real ads were, quote, liked a lot, end quote, by people. But 58% of the Phantom ads were liked a lot, too. (laughs) So, I mean, clearly what that suggests is that, you know, more important than platform is brand. The power of a consistent brand with a consistent, durable message and an image over a long period of time has amazing power, phantom power even, power that puts it at the front of a list that includes ads that people actually paid for and actually ran. Isn't that no, amazing? That, that is beautiful. It reminds me of the, of the people that said that they loved seeing Bugs Bunny when they went to Walt Disney, even though he's a <laughs> Warner Brothers cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, note, to, note to Disney, buy Bugs Bunny. Exactly. <laughs> That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It does help other folks discover us. You can also catch us at SoundCloud and Podcast One. You can follow Tom on Twitter. Amazingly, we're on Twitter, Tom. Good. At, at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, the fabulous Jeff Schmidt, exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.